um, and not really elaborate. Just be like, okay, I'm going to set up a stakes thing as long as you set it up properly and being like, okay, this could be a problem in, you know, in, in act one and then it becomes a problem in act two. Like, okay, I think that's fine. Um, Is I, Dan Brown the Da Vinci Code guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he should have been a character in this game. He kind of was, if you think about it. Well, let's find out which one he was. Welcome to Mortified, the friendship quest podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it i'm aaron and i was normal this morning but then i woke up and now i'm not normal anymore and this week we speak zarathustra in xenosaga 3 before we bow before the king of pathetic men remember you can help us on mortify the legitimacy quest by subscribing to us on youtube itunes or spotify setting up for a monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes or following us on twitter and tumblr at mortified pod so a lot has happened uh, in the past week, especially this morning. Layla. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I would say so. Um, shout out to my friend Catherine, who texted me before I woke up a YouTube video, and she does not normally text me YouTube videos. And then I saw what it was, and my response, the first words out of my fingers this morning was, Catherine, I'm going to throw up. Uh, so Kingdom Hearts 4 was confirmed announced shown displayed given to us as a gift yeah uh, i mean i i told this to, to layla when we watched the the episodes today but like i fully expected this 20th anniversary thing to be a nothing just like you know maybe they would do like a re-release of a game or you know maybe they would you know have a cool like something like melody of memory where it's like not very consequential but like definitely just more mobile game bullshit maybe they would release the big chess set with no rules that cost seven hundred dollars like that that is all i expected and just to be greeted with actual you know you know probably like rendered footage but still like footage of kingdom hearts 4 gameplay that's incredible I mean, like, given, you know, they, they have the disclaimer that it's, like, test gameplay, they're about to move to Unreal 5, so it's going to change. That dark side coming out of the fucking nothing and manifesting and having the wings be, like, a little translucent, I ate that shit up. That is for me. Thank you. I, my birthday is just today now. Yeah, yeah. I'm no. an Aries now. Congratulations on your birthday change. Um, <laughs> it's It's a very auspicious day, I think. But uh, yeah, no, Kingdom Hearts, uh, Kingdom Hearts Four is in development, which is which is really more than I hoped for. Again, don't know that it's gonna be out, you know, especially soon. But like, it looks it looks phenomenal. Sora really looks like he has aged so much. Uh, he he looks like you know he's in his early to mid twenties at this point. Um, like some of the spikes have gone out of his hair. It's just like, oh my poor boy, <laughs> the real world. This is what happens when you live in a world with Wi Fi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the five G <laughs> flattened. <laughs> the five G flattened his hair. Um, but it looks great. Um, I cannot wait to see uh, more. You know, I, I hope that we get a little bit more at the end of the year. Um, just to just to tease, but like, uh, it it's so nice just to think that Kingdom Hearts Four really is happening. Like, and they 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 gave it a numeral. This is Kingdom Hearts Four. 
Um, it's just wild. It's just wild. And the funny thing is, like, I was going to open this episode today joking about the fact that I'm working on Kingdom Hearts 5 for reasons that um, I we're about to talk about. But that's not, we don't need to joke about that anymore. Like, that's, that's not relevant because now I would need to joke about working on 6 with Disney movies they haven't even made yet. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Um, yeah, do you want to talk about, um, your, your new role, um, and why we're going to be a little bit more careful, uh, going forward? Yeah, so I've, I've manifested becoming a corporate shill. Um, I now work, uh, for a company that makes video game adjacent experiences, and, uh, we did just announce that we are working with, um, the Walking Dead, uh, you know, franchise holders, uh, to do a Walking Dead thing. I am not working on that. I am working on something else. Um, but it is incredibly secretive. And <clears throat> secretive on a level at which I can't talk shit to corporations anymore. Um, because it would ruin our business interests and therefore my bag. And Aaron, what do I love to protect? Your bag. My bag! So I am now a corporate shill. I love corporations. Capitalism. Yes, thank you. Um, kiss, kiss, hug, hug. Um... Uh, yes. So, so listen, it's not going to change uh, what we talk about in terms of, like, movies, TV shows, and books, but you might find, like, less video game chatter on here, you know? Might be less frequent. Or perhaps we might talk about things that are older, like, for example, Xenosaga 3. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, listen, we, we talked about this, and, like, clearly... You know, we, we love the episodes that we've made so far, but, like, the most important thing is for Layla to be employed. Uh, so we're going to, um, you know, we're going to be careful. And I, I think we'll still have a lot of fun. But, you know, if, if we're doing a little bit less video game talk, that's why. And hey, honestly, fellas, I've seen the statistics. The video game ones don't do that great anyway. So, yeah, we're, yeah, it, this is for only our extremely hardcore audience. Um which, shout out to the 10 of you, I love you. Yes, anyway, for you all, we have prepared a delectable conversation about the third entry into the Xenosaga franchise, which I truly do not know how we're going to get through. Okay, you keep saying that. However, I would like to point out that when I got on that call and we watched the last three hours together, we had a good time. Yeah, but we were like having it fed to us via the YouTube video. Um, and I have forgotten this in, in the, like, two hours since I went on a walk and I tried to forget everything I ever learned about Xenosaga, um, which I probably shouldn't have done because we have to talk about it now. Um, so, so why not, about it. yeah, why don't you refresh my memory? What happened in Xenosaga 3? That's a fantastic question. What did happen in Xenosaga 3? So, again, uh, Xenosaga was supposed to be six games. It is three games. They're all completely different. Um, the critical reception was fine. The audience reception went up and down. It was not a very big commercial success. And they did spawn now the Xeno Gears games, which are doing, or Xenoblade Chronicles, sorry. And Xenoblade Chronicles are doing great. Uh, I am actually very interested in playing those. Um, but, you know, Santa Saga uh, is, is a series of trials and tribulations that is very dear to me. Um, this takes place a year after the end of Xena Saga 2. Xion has quit her job at uh, Vector, which is like Amazon. Um, 
specifically at Amazon Web Services, which is where she works. Um, and Alan, her uh, coward king, has taken over her position as the leader of the first division. Shion is on a, in a bikini on a beach with a robot, now working um, for Doctus, uh, this lady scientist uh, who works at a secret anonymous type organization called Scantia um, to uncover basically what her dad's role was in the Milshin conflict because her dad was evil. Um, everyone's dad in this game is evil except for Ziggy, so it tracks. Um, and so through a series of hijinks, Shion finds out that Cosmos is slated to be thrown out because this new hot, hotter robot, Telos, is gonna be the cool new Gnosis fighting system. So she goes to Vector on Alan's invitation and she sees Cosmos get her ass handed to her and then they do my favorite part of the game. Um, they, the gang does a heist to get Cosmos out of the trash bin. Um, and to bring her aboard the Elsa again. Um, and then, oh boy, um, so much happens after that. But uh, it all kind of leads to uh, the unraveling of the plot to keep the universe running in a tight loop. Um, basically, we find out that fantasy Catholicism, Ormus, with the Pope that we killed last game, um, they thought their whole goal was to get back to uh, Renle Chateau, Mictum, First Jerusalem, Lost Jerusalem. Listen, there's a lot of location names, and sometimes they get them conflated. Uh, but then uh, Margulis, Shion's uh, brother's bitchy ex-boyfriend, uh, does find out that, you know, hey, <laughs> whoopsie doops, we've been played the whole time. Who's playing them? Stay tuned. Um, then, uh, the gang finds out that Junior's evil dad has taken over Guinan, uh, and is trying to become God, so they have to chase him around for a little while, um, and that's when we find out that Albedo's alive, uh, and Albedo, oh boysy, Albedo, Guinan, and Junior kills Citrine, their sister, and then have to together kill their dad and that results in Guinan and Dimitri, the dad, being banished to a different universe and Albedo and Rubido merging together which will now allow uh, Junior to age. And in my favorite scene in the game we do see like a, a aged up model of Junior like in the white fog. It's delightful. Um, and by delightful I mean very silly. Um... And so once they beat Yuriev, they're like, yeah, we beat God. No, you didn't. Because uh, then there's Jeff Bezos, a.k.a. Wilhelm, who is like, actually, I'm the big bad. Uh, they are the people that he's the guy that Ormus has been following. He's also the guy that like runs the Testaments. Um, and uh, basically, fantasy Catholicism, Margulis and Pellegrini are like, oh, no, we've been lied to. He doesn't actually want to take us back to lost Jerusalem. He wants to run the universe on a tight little time loop so that humans can defy God and never be afraid of death again. Um, and the way Wilhelm wants to do this is by, uh, there's a child pilot of an evil robot, uh, that is the eyes of God, he is God, and he wants to cover the eyes of God, aka kill the child, probably, um, and then humans can, like, rule the dimension or whatever. A lot of very confusing lore. Uh, and, uh, that also doesn't work, because Xion's dead ex-boyfriend is actually not dead, um, and he tries to get Xion to come over to his side, and, like, end the universe together, and then Xion's hot 
robot girlfriend says, no, don't do that. Um, and Xi'an listens, I guess. And then they fight Jeff Bezos together and win. But, oh, no, this leads to the destruction of the universe as we know it. And so Nephilim, who is a magic child, and Abel, who is a magic child, and Chaos, who is an angel, band together to move... <sighs> God's instruments that are causing the destruction of the universe to a parallel dimension where Earth is, and that will buy the human crew enough time to work on their feelings and feel strongly enough about saving the universe to actually save the universe without all the, like, magic flight tools that they have in the 6,000 years in the future. Uh, Shiana and Alan get together. Jin dies, sacrifices himself. Cosmos sacrifices herself. Um, and then to the tune of Sweet Song, uh, we, we go out on a monologue addressed to chaos. Um, if you're confused, don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, I watched all nine hours of those cutscenes, and I still don't know what Layla's talking about. Um, yeah, it I doesn't mean, help that I did. I did do all that off the cuff, so like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I, I remember all those plot points. They just don't mean anything to me. Um, like uh, I don't know. I, I. It was hard for me to get invested in any of these characters when. When, like, the main thing I cared about is Shion and Cosmos' relationship, and I guess Alan and Shion's relationship. Um, but yeah, all the other stuff about the Testaments, um, like, did not work for me. I did not care who Wilhelm was, didn't care who um, Guinan's, the Guinan trio's dad was. Um, they are all kind of boring. Um, well, you didn't like Dimitri villain monologuing at literally every opportunity? No. No, he just just went on and on, and even at one point five speed, it's just like, come, come on, man, let's let's get to the point. You know, what is what do you mean by cover the eyes of God? Like it, Xenosaga. I feel like I mean, like listen, I didn't play the game, so I'm obviously missing a lot of context, but it definitely seems like they kept keep throwing in nouns and plots, and like we didn't even get to the Layla didn't even mention the, the fact that Cosmos is actually Mary Magdalene, like from the oh, Bible. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Straight up, like it, it is playing with a lot of concepts and ideas, and it throws around a lot of these nouns, and it doesn't implement them very effectively. As we've mentioned before, this game is supposed to be six games instead of three, um, so it definitely feels rushed and the pacing feels um like catastrophic in places um but like you know it is clearly trying to do something interesting uh but it, it is it is it really struggles with the execution um and then we get these like huge blocks of text that just are incomprehensible even to someone who has been like trying pretty hard to stay with it for for three games the thing about video games is that um, because of the way technology moves, you do eventually want to finish the project you're working on. Um, otherwise, you know, the console will be outdated, whatever. When you're making a video game about Nietzsche and Jesus with a very thick lore Bible um, on a lot of moving parts, you want to, like ruminate in that story for a little while you want to really live in it maybe cut the chaff in places maybe uh tighten it up maybe loosen it up in some other places you know there's i'm, I'm okay with with meandering in a story for a little bit um purposeful meandering uh i think because the cutting was forceful and on a production timeline i i it's it's listen 
I love these games. It's chaos. It and is by chaos, chaos. I mean, inscrutable angel man in a diaper. That yeah. is what these games are. Yeah, I mean, so. uh, th- these games production were famously troubled, right? Uh, I mean, the, the Xeno uh, Blade franchise comes out of the fact that, like, this entire project got, got scrapped and all the, the veterans from this project were like, well, that sucks, but we had some really cool ideas. Um, let's put them into a game that makes sense. And they did that. And, you know, by all accounts, the Xenoblade games are incredible. So, you know, I'm glad that they were all able, none, you know, not all, but I'm, I'm glad that that team was able to land on its feet in, in some ways. Uh, and recover from from this loss but like yeah the thing is that like comparing video game text to like the text of a novel or even like a screenplay right it is so much more especially in the jrpg genre which is famous for its length um it, it is hard to to convey the things you want uh you know the messages and themes and and text you want when you are dealing with you know production timelines and like the necessities of making a video game so like yeah. you know we're trying to give grace to them but like unfortunately the finished product is a, a bit of a hot mess like yeah it's listen it's a hot mess but um i rewatching the last couple hours with you did did remind me how much i love that the science in these games is just vibes mm-hmm. there were so many waveforms and wavelengths and Hilberts and Zarathustra's. None of it makes sense. Yeah, it's it's all gobbledygook. Like the part where they're just like, "Oh no, Udu's waves. We have to contain them by activating the Zohar." Like it's just you know throwing one noun at another and hoping that they cancel each other out in a way that is satisfying to the reader. Like I'm sure there's like technically you know a way that if you went back through through all the the canon of the text, like it would make sense. But like it is just like we need to do a thing in order to increase stakes, so we will you know give you a task as the player to complete. Um, and you know that's that's just you know narrative storytelling in, in a linear video game. And I want more gobbledygook in my sci-fi. See, like, that's a thing that I hate, when, I, especially in fantasy. Like, in sci-fi, I guess I'm a little bit more willing to, to let it pass. But, like, I I really hate when, when a fantasy text gives me a bunch of nouns. And it's just like, this, this isn't going to matter to you. Here it is. Oh, I don't mean I want more nouns. I mean I want science that doesn't make sense. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? I'm tired. Like, y'all, okay, so I just watched our flag means death. Great show. Fantastic show. Uh, so good. Does it have Fleetwood Max? The chain stuck in my head? Absolutely. I'm going to live with that. Um, they do not care about time or distance or travel or physics. And I like that. Um, so I think I think I want more vibes is what I'm asking for. Yeah. More I vibe-based think... storytelling. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, uh, even you know right hard sci-fi is is where you know you get these people doing like big explainers and being like okay we have to set up the the magic science in this world so that way it makes sense and you know people who are into that sort of thing will be like yeah i like reading hard sci-fi because like it, it, it makes sense and there are definitely some books like i guess if you like michael crichton right that that's some like quote-unquote hard sci-fi that's like okay this could you know with my limited knowledge of how science works ostensibly makes sense and and you know um I guess Dan Brown. It's um, I'm thinking of Digital Fortress, like the the code cracking book that like I read when I was ten. It was like there there was enough like you know science and, and computer shit uh, in there that I was like okay this makes sense to me as somebody with like a limited knowledge of computers. Um, 
but also like uh you know i didn't you know it, it doesn't probably actually make sense i don't think that dan brown hit up like nsa agents to figure out how how to make that work but like yeah, you know in a in in a narrative where you're actually not really that invested in making the science work like it's not a huge part of your lore or your story you might as well just do shit like that just be like okay this reason has to happen for this reason um and not really elaborate just be like okay i'm gonna set up a stakes thing as long as you set it up properly and being like okay this could be a problem in you know in in act one and then it becomes a problem in act two like okay i think that's fine um is dan brown the da vinci code guy oh yeah yeah Oh, he should have been a character in this game. He kind of was, if you think about it. <laughs> well, let's find out which one he was. Mm-hmm. I think he's Kevin, but we'll get there. Oh, boy. How'd you how'd you feel about this iteration of our girl, Shion? Right. We talked about the, the bimbofication of, of Shion Uzuki um, in our last one, but this one really leaned hard into it, where she is like wearing a battle corset and like the our first shot of her is in a bikini like on the beach actually not not our first shot right because our first shot she is doing some like fucking corporate espionage delta force shit like which was complete i was like this woman works in a a lab i don't know why she's doing military shit all of a sudden but i guess she's been doing that in the other two games so it's fine it's fine um but yeah like really weirdly sexualizing uh shion which like you know it's it was a game that came out in 2006. Like, you know, I don't expect that the women characters are going to be treated especially well. Um, but, it, you know, it started out like that, which already set me off on a weird tone. Um, and, you know, it, I, I did ultimately like where Shion's arc ended. Actually, I don't know. Hold on. I, I don't I don't know if I liked how Shion got played in this game now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, yeah, I'm a big advocate of Shion go to therapy, and I, I don't think this woman's gonna be able to get to space therapy anytime soon. No, no. Um, right, so Shion gets contacted by God in this game, and she, like, has conversations with God, who we, is, is called Udu, um, for whatever reason. Yeah, take that, Bible boys, an interview with God? What about anime God? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that these were both equally scrutable. Um, but, like, uh, right, so Xion is already, like, set up as somebody who is, has something wrong with her. Like, she keeps passing out, like, every, every like, half hour, Xion will faint and, and have, like, a conversation with God. And it's like, all right, I, I don't love that. Um, I really like the stuff with her and Cosmos and, like, you know, her, like, just doing the most homoerotic shit with, with Cosmos imaginable because she is just, like, um... Uh, I liked where Xion was with Cosmos. I liked that, like, basically it was constantly, like, gay shit between the two of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not thrilled. Like, I wish that we had got, you know... <sighs> the thing about Xion and Cosmos' relationship is that it, it's as close to, like, being textually queer as, like, anything in the mid-2000s um, probably could have been. I, I think, like, they, like, lace their fingers together, and they, like, put their, their her head, she puts her head on Cosmos's shoulder, and, like, Cosmos is, you know, says to Kevin at one point, like, you know, I know that you made me, but now Shion is my new creator, um, like, it's, it's hard to get beyond, you know, you know, like, I, I really, really wanted to see the deepening of their relationship, and have them talk about how they feel about each other, and also have other people talk about the way that they interact with each other, like, I, I, I wish we had seen, um, a greater focus on the relationship 
just because I, I like them and I think they're fun characters. But yeah, especially at the end where Xion just like watches everybody die. Like, I don't really feel like Xion gets to do a lot uh, in the end, especially, which which is very disappointing. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I like her as a character a lot. You know, I like I like her relationship with Cosmos and with Alan, right? Uh, we'll get to Alan in a sec, but she has a great relationship with him as being like somebody who's like, oh, yeah, you're my old coworker. How, how are things? You know, how's the old project? Um, but yeah, I, I really wish they had give, given Xion more in this one. Yeah. Um, like, just to be clear, the Xion Cosmos stuff is like Naruto Sasuke level... Uh, every every opportunity that gets brought up, Xion is mentioning Cosmos. Every opportunity that gets brought up, Cosmos is mentioning Xion. Like, they hold hands. They are hugging constantly with their faces very close to one another. It is, it is, uh, it's a lot to visualize um, in a good way. Uh, congratulations, Xenosaga. This is the queer representation we've always wanted. Um, Cosmos, my girl. Uh, Cosmos herself, you know, queen she gets her agency right like she gets to do whatever the fuck she wants now and red eyes means cosmos and blue eyes means mary magdalene um because cosmos is the will of mary and telos is the body of mary um and they combine to make mary with guns which hey i think the bible would have been a lot shorter if mary magdalene had a gun yeah that's a good point (laughs) give mary magdalene a gun uh (laughs) writers of the bible and uh an ab beam and a scythe and an arm cannon and another <laughs> yeah yeah just a lot of a lot of cool cool guns the i arsenal. think yeah um yeah no i i like cosmos right there's a lot of nietzsche stuff where it's like okay you know my my old god has abandoned me or my old god is insufficient so now i will create a new god for myself or i will become that new god like you know, we, we talked about it in the, the the last two. I didn't do any, like, you know, little philosophy deep dives this time. Um, but, like, there's very clearly a Nietzschean influence, um, especially with Cosmos. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I love her. I think she's great. Um, I think it's very funny that she has to fight, uh, like, a meaner, sexier version of herself. Um, and eventually she absorbs the Talos into her. Um, it's, it's great. We love it. We love to see it. I... You know, do we think, I think that maybe this is just a beautiful, sexy robot metaphor for imposter syndrome, right? We're constantly fighting the evil, sexier versions of ourselves in our heads. Um, If only we had cannons and cool boots with which to do it. Uh, I wish my imposter syndrome looked like Talos. Um, That would make my therapy sessions go a lot better. (laughs) It could if you weren't a fucking coward. (laughs) good point i'm gonna have to work on that i'm gonna manifest that <laughs> my my imposter syndrome is now gonna be like a really sexy android who who wants to step on me excellent yes. great same this is our new therapy goal uh let's talk about my coward king so alan is you know god's biggest simp um constantly talking about how much he loves Xion. like he took he took over her job at vector right and he still calls her chief and everybody's just like i wish that chief allen would just ask her out um there's a point where like they're about he like does ask her out and they're gonna go get dinner and she's like oh why don't i why don't you just like come up to my my room and and then he, and he was like what um and it's very it's very funny i like that cornball shit um and you know he he, he stands by Xion the whole time he gets uh, electrically tortured by her uh, terrible uh, ex-boyfriend or fiance or whatever 
um and he you know his mascara is running and he looks so wet and pathetic and i love him so much and you know i would say that during that torture scene kevin really uh took him into the city to see a marching band you know yeah no it's extreme like this game came out in 2006 like (laughs) they had to know they're like the emos are gonna go crazy for this one and i did and i did (laughs) god damn it they were right Mm um yeah my coward king i love him so much um truly (sighs) shion has this whole thing where she's like i still love kevin and that's why like alan you know in the first game he's like i can't ask my boss on a date well because you know hr but also because (laughs) you know she's still mourning kevin uh, we get a lot of scenes with kevin capital s scenes with kevin in this game by which i mean we get uh, sex scenes like post-coital lounging and talking and kevin is so obviously a villain um and he's obviously a villain in the flashbacks um and then alan is just standing there a perfect he is wealthy he is sad his personality has just a general wetness to it like we were talking about it while we were watching the video like it's it's hard to describe what a wet man is when he's not physically wet, but he just feels like he's constantly wet. And I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. He's my little chihuahua man with stacks of dough hidden somewhere. Like, a perfect angel. And I just don't understand why the decision was so hard. How good was that buff scientist, sad poet dick, that you are still mourning him and not being with my beautiful coward king yeah uh, listen if, or even if, better your robot girlfriend yes exactly um it's right like if, if if kevin's personality in the um alternate past reality that exists inside Xion's mind um is anything to judge by uh it seems like he sucks uh and is probably not a very generous lover um, I, I think you could do, I think Xion could do a lot better. And I think, frankly, Cosmos could do a lot better than Xion, but, um, it's, it's fine. Have you been following the, like, Elizabeth Holmes thing? The, um, the, like, scam blood yeah, yeah, yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I, not following it, but I'm aware of it. Okay. Did you see the texts she sent her boyfriend? No. Okay. So, it... Aaron, if I'm ever indicted for criminality and um, I display the kind of behavior that Elizabeth Holmes displayed in these texts, I do need you to take me out to a pasture. I am just terrified at the text that you're about to bring up. I just feel like this is the kind of texter Kevin is. Or, sorry, the kind of texter Shion is. And then mm-hmm. and then uh, 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 Kevin's response. So Elizabeth Holmes, uh, scammer, is texting her uh, her boo, Sunny Balwani, the following. <clears throat> you are the breeze in the desert for me, my water, my ocean, meant to be only together, tiger. Sunny Balwani answers with, okay, period. <laughs> Ouch. So when I look at Kevin and Xi'an... It's extremely that. <laughs> yeah, I get real big Elizabeth Holmes, Sonny Belwani vibes. Oh, Xion, you could do better than this man. They could all do better than each other, except for... Well, no, Ziggy could do better than 
I, I don't know if it's supposed to be like he's going to get with Yuli Mizrahi at some point in the future. Oh, I, I hope, hope not. not. Um, uh, but Ziggy is the only one who deserves Momo, and Momo is the only one who deserves Ziggy. I hope they are a happy father-child uh, mm-hmm. pair together forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Kevin Kevin's bad. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Uh, he's just, like, really annoying. Um, when... So when they go back like 15 years uh, into Shion's mind to create an alternate reality, which is a thing that happens and um, is very stupid, uh, we basically just get like all these like, you know, conversations with 15 year old Kevin where he's basically just like yelling at Shion, like adult Shion, and also yelling at like, you know, child Shion who's like 10. And he's like, like why do you even plant flowers? They're just going to die. There's no point in planting flowers because the, the cycle of, of, you know, earth and, and life is just that, you know, flowers will die and they don't like, they don't even like in, increase the soil's nitrogen content. So it's like, really, there's no point. Uh, and it's just like, hey, Kevin, shut the fuck up. Um, and then later on, like when he reveals that he's the Red Testament, he's just like, I'm so sorry. I sacrificed your mom and dad, Shion. I know I did kill them. I 100% got them killed by like evil whale aliens or whatever, but I did it all for you. Can't you forgive me? And, um, he sucks. And it's very funny that they made him suck so bad. (laughs) Yeah, they made him suck really bad, and then they still framed it as a choice, which I thought was very, very funny. Because again, he sucks, sucks dick ass. But um, yeah, so we're we've cre- we've crept into talking about the testaments. Uh, so these are the four undead men that make everyone's life hard. And Kevin is the red one. It's a really big reveal because he's like been around the longest. Like, ooh, Kevin. Um, then we have Albedo's a testament now. And um, I mean, my opinion on him stands. He sucks ass. Mm. Um. And then Virgil, I think, again, I don't think our opinions changed on Virgil. He's annoying and he sucks ass. There's a whole, like, two-hour, three-hour arc of watch look, looking back on him in the past, talking with um, this other, like, android lady, Febronia. And, like, we get to see their whole relationship and why he's so, like, obsessed with her because basically she gave him her organs. Um, and, like, listen, girl, maybe just save the kidney. Like, it's... you. It wasn't worth it. Just Virgil sucks so bad. I'm glad he got shot by Cosmos in the first hour of Xenosaga 1. Yeah, see, his arc doesn't necessarily even really make sense because in Xenosaga 1, when he gets shot, that is the last thing he sees. He sees Fabronia and he calls out to her. Uh, and then we find out that Fabronia, when he was found as an enemy soldier, um, she gives him a kidney or whatever so he can live. And then they fall in love, I guess. And then, uh, but the fact that Virgil knows who Fabroni is in one means that when he was eating realians and being an asshole, that was post the Fabronia thing. So mm-hmm. it's just the logical leap of like something terrible must have happened to this man to make him an evil, awful person. Like, it, it skips too much of that in-between for, for me to, like, care that, oh, no. And he, like, wasn't nice enough in the flashback for me to be like, oh, no, Virgil got corrupted. How sad. Like, I just don't care because he's a dick the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, yeah, it was not very effective. I didn't like it. And you know what? I'm glad he died. For a minute, I thought that he was going to get redeemed. And I was like, please, dear God, no, do not. Don't. And then he dies. I was like, yeah. Um... And then there's uh, there's Voyager, who's new. He's not new-new, but he's new in the sense that he gets lines now. Um, 
And uh, here's the thing about Voyager. Fellas. Fellas, is it gay to shoot your friend's son so that you may enjoy the spoils of eternal life together? Is it gay to murder your friend's son so that way there will be nobody else in the world he loves more than you? Is it gay to do that? Because that's what that's what Voyager does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I can say about Voyager. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about all I have for him too. Um, there's a lot of boyfriends in these games. Um, mm-hmm. And again, just a confusing trend. I think like the more the more media I watch that's like this. Um, you know, where it's just, like, unintentional homoeroticism. Like, I know I I wrote a whole essay about how that happens because you don't develop your female characters enough. And then it's just, like, they they f- can't serve the function you want them to. Um, but there's women in this one that are developed. Makes you think. Makes you go, hmm. I mean, like, the, the relationship between Xion and Cosmos is so, so explicitly uh, homosexual that, like, I'm wondering if that, that's not intentional, you know? I it can't. There's no way. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I simply don't know. But, like, I, I don't. I think I'm too cynical of, like, a, a, a queer person to believe that it could be. Um, but, damn, are the vibes there, huh? They sure are. Uh, speaking of queers, uh, Margulis and Pellegrino are in this one. Um, yeah. What is, Margulis says some incredible, incredible one-liners um, to Jin. Yeah, when they're having their duel. Yeah, because, you know, they really tried to shoehorn Pellegrino into this one as Jin's girlfriend, but, like, it does not work. No, um, not Because at all. they've never interacted before. No, no. I don't know who Pellegrino is, and I don't care. Um but they do have like a messy fight in the middle of it of like a conversation she and Jin do. And it's, um, it's pretty much nothing. I don't know why it didn't do anything for me. It was very strange. Um, but like when Jin has this big fight with fucking Margulis, it becomes a whole like deal. Um, and like they, Margulis is all like, you know, you have to, um, what does he say? He's like, you know, I know, I like, I don't have anything. Like, you know, my, my God has abandoned me, but at least I have this final sword fight with you, Jin. Um, and it's just like really, really funny. Uh, <laughs> after being betrayed and rejected by all I've believed in, there is still one thing left for me. You, Uzuki, my showdown with you is the only thing that will not betray me. <laughs> just yeah. say you miss the man. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine to miss miss him. Find a miss, uh, miss your ex-boyfriend. Get messy. We love it. Uh, I, we have Wilhelm on the list. He's just Jeff Bezos. Like, he doesn't really need much more exploration beyond that, I don't think. Do you have any thoughts on Wilhelm? He is, he's extremely bland as an antagonist. He has, his motive is unclear to me. I mean, he wants to eradicate the fear of God um, and become God, which is, like, a fine motivation, but it's it's very bland and, and, and you know, of a template of jrpgs he doesn't have enough of a personality for me to really give a shit about him he's just sort of like an obstacle yeah i like his ship it's a cool ship he's a great looking ship 
Junior Momo and Ziggy take kind of a backseat in this game. Uh, Momo gets a redemption tour in the sense that she actually rules in battle. Like, I don't think she ever left my party in my playthrough. Um, she is a powerhouse. I leveled the shit out of her, and it was completely worth it. Every time I had a spare SD point item or whatever the fuck it was called, skill point item, I was like, Momo, baby, you're getting it. She had spells. She had heals. She had fucking crazy special attacks. I Listen, Momo was not good in the other two games. She was hard to keep alive most of the time because she was the party healer and could do no offense. And if she died as the party healer, a cathedral would stomp you out. There's the problem. So, you need to keep Momo alive, but that's very hard, and items are very scarce. So, uh, when I got the Momo Powerhouse in-gameplay apology tour, I was fucking thrilled. That is what she deserves. Shion also very useful in these games. She's usually useless. She did great. If there was a mech, you put Shion up against it, she fucking ruled. And, like, you know what? I'll take it. After two games of them not being able to do all that much, I'll fucking take it. And then Junior Junior does point a gun at Shion and Kevin, which is very funny. You do have a yes, screenshot of that here. I, Junior does shout a lot at Kevin, which is nice, and I'm glad that he does because Kevin deserves to be yelled at and shot. Yeah, it's basically like Shion's new husband and son that she doesn't know are her new husband and son do yell at her ex-boyfriend a lot, which is just a really great uh, scene of a divorce. Uh, Chaos knows Jesus personally. Yeah, Chaos was there, like, listening to Jesus talk, who does look a lot like Orlando Bloom in, like, the one shot of him I saw, which is very funny. Um, but yeah, we, we see him hanging out with Jesus and Mary Magdalene, um, anime-looking Mary Magdalene in a crowd of, of disciples. Um, it's very good. Glad that Chaos got to go back to the time of Jesus. I don't know what happened to Chaos in the end. I really couldn't tell you. Um, but he... I miss his diaper ass. They, they actually gave him, like, a dignified outfit in this one. Nah, that's incorrect, I think. I think the less dignity, the better. Um, but that's just me. He was fine in this game. Um, he had a thing with Kanan, um, which Kanan's death upset me because there, his whole thing was like, oh, there's a spyware in my brain, and, and I am the spyware. And I'm like, baby, there are two Realian experts in the room with you. You could just... Ask them to take the spyware They could out. just give you Linux. It's fine. Yeah, they could just, like, upgrade your shit, and you will be completely fine. This has been set up. It would be It would be fine. It, it, if they could repair Cosmos from a black box that, uh, from an emulation of 15 years in the past, that is pre-any of the vector upgrades that Cosmos got, and then the professor has somehow had spare Cosmos parts left over, if they could do that, they could fix Kanan's brain. And I know that his whole thing is like, I am the spyware program, but like, no, you're not. That's, that would be wild. Um, you know, whatever. That's, like, that's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, and then Miyuki does appear in this game in person. Miyuki rules. I, I wish Shion was less, less mean to her. Yep. Yep. She's very funny. She explodes things. Togashi is still here, too. I love Togashi. Uh, uh, Togashi was the one in one that picked on Alan for not dating his boss a lot, and I just like that energy. Um, I think I think we should all be bullying our bosses more. Um, yeah, definitely. I think it would be... We'd live in a better world if we could humble <laughs> the people that managed us. <sighs> if only. Um, yeah, so... Listen... 
I'm sorry you didn't have a great time with these games. Um, I do apologize. That being said, much like we are now Death Note experts, we are also now Xenosaga experts. You might be a Xenosaga expert. I can make pass. I could probably make five to ten minutes of passable conversation with somebody who cared about Xenosaga. Um, I would not consider myself an expert. Uh, I, I found it very difficult to internalize any of this. Yeah, I think it helps when you're working with the redundancy of actually playing the game. You get to actually yeah. sit with the information for a little while. I Even for me, watching the cutscenes, I was like, oh, there's a lot flying in my face right now. Um, but, you know, um, this, this episode's a little bit in an atypical format because uh, the enjoyment of this game is so limited. Um, do you think... Do you think there was a way to pull this off? And if they actually had the money to to spend the time on the script, do you, do you think there's a universe in which this is a profound piece of, of video gaming? I mean, I think there's got to be, right? I don't think there's any... Th- there. That's not true. I think that there's few texts that are so so bad that they are utterly irredeemable, um, right? I think the core of Xenosaga's premise, which is like, you know... The world is scary and bad, but like if you believe in your friends strong enough, you can you can reshape the world to to make yourself um, and your friends have a better world. I think that is is a fundamentally good thesis. Um, the The problem is is all the extraneous shit. Like as much as I like the dumb church shit, like that probably all should have gone out the window. Like there was no need to make um cosmos mary magdalene (laughs) like um and you know maybe that that comes to the fact that like just because something is extraneous to the text doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't useful like sometimes you just got to get fluff in there um there's been a conversation on like literary twitter um this last week about um you know texts that um don't have any conflict and like people are getting really mad about about people being like oh well you know there's no such you know every story has conflict and like a lot of people are being like they don't have to right um and you know i don't think i'm i'm you know knowledgeable enough to weigh in on that conversation i I think that a lot of people are talking about stakes uh instead of conflict but that might not necessarily even be true um uh as based on the people i've spoken with on twitter um but like right if we are if we're going to try to make xenosaga work i think you really have to pare down like like all the testament stuff like maybe you get three main antagonists but like you don't need all four plus the vector shit plus the you know whatever political there's like a whole political side plot about how they were making the omega weapon to like you know scare the people in the federation government or whatever that like didn't go anywhere um like there's a big space battle i guess that's related to that i I suppose but like i don't i I didn't pay off in a way that i cared about um i think you really have to like start paring stuff down and and, you know making characters very clear um and that's just not really possible that's not really what these big long-form video games are for um they you know they want to do a bunch of extraneous shit um but definitely and this is probably fairly good writing advice in general you want to make your characters have clear motivations maybe give them a quirk or you know a feature that that dis- distinguishes them um and you know 
give them give them reasons both to act um to influence the story and also you know show show how other people feel about them um and 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 i feel like especially when it comes to acting to influence the story um and showing how other people how, how other characters felt about them um you know i feel like xenosaga fails because like basically the only person we know who well, like for Xion, like we get we get basically everybody's read on Xion, but like we don't get anybody's read on Cosmos, uh, except for maybe Alan. Like, and I think it'd be so interesting for for Ziggy or not, yeah, maybe Ziggy and Junior to have a conversation about like why Cosmos is important, um, you know, and, and them themselves as synthetic beings being like, you know, what what is the difference between Cosmos and us, and you know, why why are the humans so obsessed with you know creating things that are like themselves, um, but but treating us differently. Um, but yeah, again, like that's just not how video games are made. <laughs> like if writers made video games, I think we'd have a lot, um, you know, maybe maybe the stories would be better, but the gameplay would probably suffer because you you can't you can't have it, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too in, in, in production of, of big projects like this. Yeah, I think that's interesting in the sense that, like, I, as you're talking about character motivations, like I can only like if I'm going down the list of the party, I don't really know what motivates Xion. Um, Cosmos is kind of self-motivated in the sense that, like, she's a Gnosis fighting system. Um, but it would have been cool to get her motivation as a conscious being and, like, see that develop. Um, Alan's motivation is just Xion, which is passable. That's fucking fine. Yeah, I think that's fine. Um, Junior's motivation, I kind of understand. It's to protect people. It's to, like, make up for the sins of what happened 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to protect his friends and to protect Momo. Momo's motivation is just to be part of a family. Ziggy's motivation is to protect Momo and then die. Um, and, you know, chaos motivation unclear. Um, and, like, I think this, yeah, I think this game could have, this series could have, like, gotten away with borrowing the aesthetics of Catholicism without actually getting into the infrastructure of Catholicism. And that would have done enough legwork for us to be like, oh, this is just Catholicism. Like, we didn't need Ormus at all. I think, I think if anything, like, Wilhelm and the Testaments should have been the villains from, yeah. like, the outset, and then you just yes. cut the Ormus stuff. 100%, um, yeah. And, you know, if you needed to have them have a puppet government, like, you could have used Milsha, you could have used... Um, the Federation, you could have used anything that's already anything been already, established. Exactly, you could, have, you could have done anything that's already existed, you could have still talked about, you know, the... Um, the Milshin conflict, like, that still could have been at the core of, like, the rupture, I guess, of the, the universe. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that could have that could have just been, like, cut or tightened up or whatever. But it is... <sighs> I saw a tweet the other week that was, like, you forget what video games are, like, what a video game being bad means until you play, like, a real fucking stinker. Um... I don't even think Xenosaga is like that big of a stinker. I two is two two's rough. Two's very very rough. Um, but like one and three are fine. Three is downright mm-hmm. enjoyable. Yeah. Um, like it, it, to me, a modern player who like understands the story well enough, three is fun. Mm-hmm. Three's combat system is really smooth. The puzzles are fun. The progression's pretty cool. Like. I liked leveling the skills. Like, it was really satisfying to do the fights. Like, it, it genuinely, like, there were a lot of lessons learned for three. Um, and I think Xenoblade does away with the turn-based stuff. I think they just go to real time. But if if Xenoblade Chronicles has the the uh, combat melodrama of Xenosaga, like, I would have immense buy-in. 
um, because the combat stuff is extremely cool. Um, but, you know, we talk about this a lot on the show, but it does come back to, like, man, I wish, I wish, I wish there was room to fail a little bit more. Um, because I think, much like the second installment in every Star Wars trilogy is the most interesting, this entire series feels like the second installment of a Star Wars trilogy in the sense that it almost gets at something interesting. It's like this close, but the execution is just not there, and that's okay. And I think, like, I don't know, at least for me, I think I have I have a... a less of an interest of playing around in fandom spaces and with content because everything is just so polished nowadays and nothing like like dragon age 2 is my favorite dragon age because it's kind of a mess and like everyone knows it's a mess ea cut the you know uh the development time famously by like a whole year um and that you know that's an articles that interfered with with their plans and that's unfortunate uh and like, I don't know, but it's it, it necessity becomes the mother of invention and you have to kind of fuck around and find out what you can come up with, right? In the time that you have and with the resources that you have. And that's what this trilogy feels like. And I don't know. I know like it's difficult to introduce somebody to this, especially with like videos of the gameplay. Um, but I'm, I'm glad it exists. I think it's interesting. Um, and I wish... We have more stuff like it in the modern day. Just B-tier, we're doing our best with what we have games. And I'm sure those exist, but unfortunately, because the market is so saturated, they're very hard to find. Yeah, no. And I 100% agree on with, with all that. You know, I wish we had more opportunities for failure. I wish we had more opportunities for, like, just okay content or flawed content. Um and you know, I ultimately I am glad we talked about this series because like I think that your 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 how much you cared about it is important um, to you, and therefore I, I want to know about it. Um, and like I didn't like a lot of a lot of it because it was so inscrutable, but like I did like the experience of trying to to dig out the parts that that were compelling and and you know study the the ways in which that <laughs> this text interacted with Nietzsche um, and, and you know dug at the weird. Uh, <laughs> christianity shit so it, it was a fun time um even the despite the fact that i didn't like really click with the text and now you have to find something to drag me through kicking and screaming yeah yeah all right take us out um layla when we are not dragging each other through the most inscrutable series of lore uh this side of the internet where can people find us? Find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, uh, Kingdom Hearts 4 is out. That's, we're not out, but announced. So, I don't know. I'm not normal anymore, so just expect that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AaronSXL, where I tweet about tabletop RPGs, health policy, and writing sometimes. Um, you can also listen to the other podcast I do at The Bible Boys. Um, this Holy Week, we are tackling the uh, Mel Gibson movie, The Passion of the Christ, um, which I've never seen. Uh, so that'll be a fun Monday for me. Uh, cannot wait to see uh, how that turns out. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla... 
You know what I think? What do you think? You're insane. No, but of course. But you can't change the world without a little bit of insanity. You certainly can't. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>